Hey everybody, Josh Sheridan here with the Barely Legal Podcast. This has been a huge week for me because I have uh, inside of one week my second comedian uh, starting starting the show off as I've talked about before. Mark Marin is a big hero of mine, and uh, his WTF podcast has been kind of the uh, primer by which I've built this show. He uh, is a comedian. He used to be a protege of Sam Kinison. He came up in. Boston, LA, New York kind of has worked throughout the country and uh, is one of the bigger names in comedy right now. And because of that, he had the ability to interview pretty much every comedian from Robin Williams to Louis C.K. to you name it. He's had him on the show. And I have always loved as his show has grown past comedians into politicians, musicians, movie stars, always appreciated the comic world because it is such a singular and unique world of people who kind of are outside of the lane that most of us travel in. They work at night. Uh, they work alone. They travel a lot. They spend 23 of a 24-hour day thinking about what they're going to do in one hour. And then it's another 23-hour or longer wait until they're back on again. And it's kind of like you live spot to spot almost as I'm sure I, I'm saying this as though I've ever done it. You're going to, you're going to educate <laughs> me, but I have just learned about this and I've, I'm so fascinated by the world of it and especially the psychology behind it. So uh, on today's show, I have Donnie Stopa. He's friends with Darcy Greco, who was in earlier this week. Uh, he's a comedian. Uh, so thank you so much for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Now, are you a Florida guy originally or? I am. I was born and raised in Tampa. Were you? Yes, How sir. How old are you? I am 36. Okay, so you're younger than I am. Where'd you Where'd you grow up? In, in Tampa side or St. Pete side? So or? I, <clears throat> my dad lived in Carrollwood. My mom lived in Brandon. Okay. So I grew up like in Brandon mainly. Sure. All you right. Know. You probably know my wife's family, the Basiglios. There's like a million of them. And they all, Sounds like like every four years, someone knows this one. I can tell how old someone else is by which Basiglio. Yeah, there you go. About. There you go. But uh, all right. All right. So um, now only child or big, big family. So I have a half brother okay. and I have a stepbrother and a stepsister because my parents were divorced when I was, I don't know, three months old or something like that. So, all right. yeah. So I have some, all right. some weird. Well, no, stuff. this, 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 <laughs> this puts right into the narrative for, you know, comics and boxers, the, the more kind of disjointed and crazy their life are that they seem to be better at their chosen profession. Oh, sure. So, yeah. You know, whenever you know, I was really into martial arts and, and boxing, mixed martial arts and all this stuff, and you watch these these backstories on this guy. It's like, yeah, I lived out of a car for eight years and I don't know who my father was. And someone tried to kill oh, my mother. Sure, yeah, and it's like yeah. these guys are animals in, in the ring. And in a lot of ways, similar, like, you know, my father didn't talk to me. My mother, you know, was yeah. non-existent. My brother was arrested and killed. They tend to make the best comedians. I don't know why that is, but in a lot of ways, you're coping with the darkness by sure, yeah, entering uh, some levity into the situation. So. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's it's definitely a form of therapy for me to get on stage and just be vulnerable about whatever. I don't now, were you aware of it as a as a kid? Was it something that you were into, or is it something that you kind of came to later on in life? I first saw stand up comedy when I was seven years old. Okay, and it was I was I vividly remember I was in my grandma's house in Detroit. And we were just, I was sitting on the floor in the living room. Stand up was on TV. Yeah. 
and I would I was just enamored with it. You right. Know? And so ever since then, I've wanted to be a comic. So before Comedy Central was Comedy Central, it was called like Comedy TV or something like that. And it was just it was like MTV. It was 24 seven. And it was like every three hours, it was a loop. So you could right. watch three hours of like five minute spots. Right. And then it would start over like three hours. And I was probably at like 10, 11, 12, 13 in that in that ballpark. And I remember it was a summer. I went and stayed with my cousins. And they had this room down in their basement. And we just had that on for the entire summer. Mm-hmm. And literally, like, I could I could do every one of those spots because I heard them every three oh, yeah, hours, yeah. every day. And uh, my dad, my, my first vinyl album that I ever had was George Carlin. My dad had that. And gave awesome. That to me. Yeah. Awesome. So George Carlin was always a big one. Legend. And, yeah. So do you remember some of the comedians who you were drawn to in the early days? I do. So uh, my favorite comic of all time is Sinbad. Okay. And Sinbad was probably the, and that was actually the first live show I saw was Sinbad. Is that, do you think why kind of? Uh, that? Oh man, I was, I could not breathe. I was crying. Yeah. Like it was that intense. That experience. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was a very, yeah, it was a very powerful uh, experience for me. But yeah, Sinbad, since I was, you know, yeah, teenager, uh, you know, I remember, I remember also Carlin, Carlin. I remember watching him at my friend's, uh, my friend's house in in high school. I was over there just staying the night. Right. And his dad was watching George Carlin. We were, I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. You're like, I I feel like I'm not supposed to be. I I, I definitely felt like if if my dad were there, that wouldn't have happened. Right. Right. But you know, it was kind of cool to see, you know, peek into that world and be like, oh man, like this guy's funny, but he's also saying something and it's pretty awesome. Now you're a big guy. Were you an athlete growing up? Well, uh, I wouldn't call myself an athlete. I, I played hockey competently okay and uh where'd you play out in clearwater or down in uh, brandon or, okay the, there, the brandon ice sports okay. forum which is now tgh okay whatever yeah, yeah, it is yeah. all right was so, the lightning a thing yet at that point they were yeah when i was my, a kid my wife actually cheered for the lightning when they played at the florida state fairgrounds my uh my high school sweetheart was also a lightning cheerleader uh-oh I know. No, yeah, we got yeah, we got to figure out what's going if, on. If, if my wife was <laughs> if at thirty seven, my wife was your high school sweetheart, then yeah. she probably got some warrants for her because she's. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but anyways, yeah. So well, that's cool. Um, hockey. So I, I'm by day, I'm a family lawyer, right. and hockey is a bad word in divorce Ooh, court because yeah. of how friggin' expensive it is, dude. Yeah, the yeah. parents never want to. Oh, I thought you were talking about like hockey dads getting in violence. No no, 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 no. Well, I'm sure that's something too, but. Yeah. They ne- the, no one ever wants the girl to do horse riding and no one ever wants the son to do hockey. Oh, yeah. The injuries. Just, injuries as well. Injuries, gear, all that stuff. It's like, that's like $1,200 a month, you know? Yeah. So yeah. anyway. It's no joke. So hockey was your thing? Did you play football, wrestle? I, doing I, I played stuff? hockey and I lifted weights because I got I got beat up real bad when I was in ninth grade. Okay. I got jumped. And so I was like, you okay. Were, you had no choice but to be a kid. Yeah. I had to, yeah. That was in the cards. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, did you go to college after, after high school? Or? I did. Where'd you go? University of South Florida. Go Bulls. Okay. All right. What years were you there? I was there too many years. Uh, actually, 2002. Wait, no. Is that right? Sounds like a long time ago. 2002 to 2006. Okay. Okay. Well, 2007, technically. So you've always been in the area. Yeah. Well, no. (laughs) Yes and no. Uh, Mostly. But I lived in Texas for seven years. Okay. And then I moved back like four years ago. Texas? Yeah. Austin. there? Well, I was moving to California. Here, I Austin's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And okay. and I was stopping to visit my mom. Okay. And then I just felt like I should stay. So I did and ended up, uh, yeah, living out there. Uh, I was married 
Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I was married for a little bit, five years. And then- Were you uh, already a comedian at that point or, or- I was, so I actually quit comedy when I moved to Texas. Okay. Because I was having, you know, well, I mean, I was just doing open mics for about a year. Sure. And then when I got there, I ended up, you know, just kind of getting a little bit- uh, deterred from doing comedy just you know it wasn't going great <laughs> it's a war of attrition man I yeah mean, so you, then you've got yeah. to be a special kind of person to and i joined a band you know and then you oh know, really yeah so i ended up traveling with a band a little bit we did you know i was doing that for like four years what uh instrument vocals what was your thing uh, i played drums in the band you played drums yes sir Oh, shit. This is going to be a long one because I'll talk to you about drums all day. Yeah. Long. How many comics play drums, though, you know? Oh, well, I don't know. But a lot. I, I, it was funny because <laughs> you're, so you're my second. Uh, do, do they really? Yeah. Well, I guess. Bill I mean, Burr. You got Fred Armisen. That's many right. Others. That's yeah, right. Many others. Yeah. Bill Burr, is, he loves his uh, uh, Meshuggah. He likes the the blast beats and the double bass right. drums. And, yeah. Okay. Yeah. We can go down that road, too. Um, so anyway. So, okay. So you, you were a touring musician? Mu- musician? I was. I was. What, what type of band? Uh, it was a hard rock band or okay. like a, I don't know, post-grunge alternative okay. type deal. Now, I, I I only saw a glimpse of this, so correct me or, or educate me where I'm wrong. Uh, is there a Christian slant to the comedy that you do? Yeah, so okay. I do a lot of church events okay. and, uh, you know, private events, and I get contacted by a lot of folks. I'm, I'm part of a an organization called the Christian Comedy Association. Okay. So, you know, it's kind of a small world, and uh, especially, you know, there are a lot of weird and 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 sometimes not the funniest comics in in the mix you know you're if you look historically it's it's really kind of rough well for sure uh you know there's a there's a director i'm going to go off on a tangent but i promise i'll bring it back to what we're talking about let's let's do it so there's a there's a director's name is lars von trier and he's known for making these really kind of dark and crazy movies uh, but they had this movement, which is going to escape me the name of it for now. But um, basically, it was this movement of directors who had challenged themselves to ways that they were going to make movies where they would actually put obstacles in, like you couldn't do this or no one could talk or it had to be black and white or there couldn't actually be a set or whatever. And right. uh, I was going to kill me what the name of that movement was. But in any ways, it made it even that much harder to do what it was that they were doing. And right. so in a lot of ways... With comedy, mm-hmm. although I love blue comedy as much as I love oh, comedy. Oh, sure. If, if it's more, funny, I like it. Well, for sure. But it's it's harder, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's harder to do. And uh, it's there's so uh, one of the more recent Marin podcasts, he had Seinfeld on finally, which is oh, yeah. big gets. And I mean, Seinfeld is, you know... A, a, a one of the beacons of clean comedy, sure. you know, and absolutely to this day, he's a squill. I mean, he's like the Jeff Bezos of comedy yeah. and for him to still get up there and put himself out there speaks to what itch this work scratches for people that money can't. Right. It can't, you know, and any satisfy. comic that you see who becomes a movie star, they always Chris go rock. Back. They, they always go Dave back to Chappelle. Santa. Adam Sandler, um, Adam Sandler, uh, you know, any of them. I mean, they yeah. can reach the highest high and still there's yeah. something there's something that it does that money can't buy for you. So absolutely. Anyway, we were going off a tangent. So we're talking about traveling music. I guess where I was going with that was, was the music a Christian deal or was it just? Oh, regular? yeah. It's, so it was a. So has that been a part of your life throughout or is that? Well, since I was 19. Okay. I started going to church uh, when I was in college. Was your and family big on that or is that something no, you kind of no. found on your own? Yeah, I found it on my own. I, I uh, had never really read the Bible or knew anything, never gone to church, didn't right. grow up in it. Right. Um, and then, yeah, I started when I was in college, when I was 19, 
And then I was like, oh, okay. I, I, I finally kind of, it made sense to me finally. Sure, sure. <laughs> After, you know, hearing it, you know, your whole yeah. life, you never know what, what to believe until you are searching. You right, know? right, right. And that was, that was the time. So the band was a hard rock, but Christian... Well, it was a hard rock band, and we we mainly played clubs. Yeah. I mean, I mean, same with comedy. I play, yeah. you know, I play clubs, but I also do. I'm starting to do a lot more of the you know, you know, the church stuff. Sure. And, um, but you know, I had to start in the clubs. I had to start the same you way. Travel all over else. the country with the music. I, I we traveled like the Midwest, the East Coast, and around Texas. How so did was, you pick up the drums? Oh man! So I was in <laughs> my dad. Uh, he. Shout out to my my dad, my old roommate. Um, he he actually wanted me to be in orchestra, okay. so he he made me be in orchestra in sixth grade. When I got into seventh grade, he signed me up for orchestra. I went down to the guidance counselor. And I said, "Hey, uh, uh, I need to switch into not orchestra." Yeah, and so I ended up going into band, okay. and that's when I you know said, uh, "I want to play drums." I just kind of figured that out. Yeah, it's amazing how uh, how how many amazing drummers and just all these crazy bands, that's where it started with them. Yeah. Learning the rudiments and all these oh, other yeah. things that they do. And uh, so uh, I was just talking with the guest I had on earlier. He's a musician as well. He's a lawyer, but uh, uh, there's a podcast called crash bang boom that I listen to a lot and it's a drummer's podcast. So okay. you should definitely should follow that, it. Yeah. But uh, I've learned so much about it that I had no concept of. So one of my favorite bands is the Melvins and Dale Crover, he was a drummer for the Melvins. He was the drummer for Nirvana on their first album. And oh, okay, Bleach. Yeah, Bleach. Yeah. He's a drummer on Bleach. And uh, anyway, uh, I didn't know that. so much, so much discussion of placement of drum heads, placement of cymbals, how high you keep your seat, what type yep. of stretches you do, yep. whether you practice your rudiments before show, whether you're not getting your breathing down, getting oh, your, yeah. you know, all, all that. that stuff. And it's it's so unique compared to the string instruments or whatever else. It's just a completely whole different world. And one of the things I got to do recently, so uh, a buddy of mine is a lead singer for Wolfface, who's, they're the ones who do the bumper music for uh, this podcast. So when you oh, listen sweet. to the okay. show, you'll hear them at the beginning. But uh, they just did a uh, marketing piece for Liquid Death Mountain Water. Okay. And uh, the bass player, Dan Byers, he owns Rock Garden Recording over in Pinellas County. So he records Mastodon and a lot of you know, oh, yeah, metal yeah. music over there. But I got to go over there First time ever being in a studio with a band recording and literally three fourths of the band just bullshitted with me for the entire four hour period. It took them to set those drums up yeah. and mic those drums and get them. Oh, where yeah. They, I was like, you gotta be kidding me. This yeah. is ridiculous. And they're like, if you don't get the drums right, the rest of it just sounds like dog shit. Oh, so, absolutely. So it was it, it really emphasize for me how important to at least the type of music that I listen to drums are. Sure. I yeah. mean, that's, that's the foundation on which the house is built. And Absolutely. so uh, a lot of newfound appreciation. I mean, I've always thought drumming was cool, but I really didn't realize number one, what it takes to do it well. And number two, how important it is to the structure of a song and, and the recording and all that other stuff. So yeah, a lot goes into it. Did you guys record it all or, or we did? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we, uh, we recorded an album. It's called the letter kills. Okay. The band's called the follow through. Okay. So check them out. They're great. They, they're still doing they're their out thing. there. I oh, can yeah. find them online. Yeah. YouTube is big for them. Okay. Um, and then the follow through.com, I believe okay. is still the same. So how many years did you do that? I did it for a little over three and a half, almost four years. I now guess. you said you started stand up and then did the music and then went back to stand up. Right. Okay. So let's let's backtrack a little bit. Okay. What? When did you finally pull the trigger on getting up on a stage? How did that come about? 
Oh man. Well, that's one of the it was after college. You know, okay. it was after college because you know I was pretty focused in college on you know I got to get a degree because my dad said I should do that and everybody else tells me I need to do that and the world you know says sure. you can't make money yeah, if you yeah. don't have a degree. Although the wealth, most of the wealthiest people don't have a degree, but yeah, yeah, I figured that out too. <laughs> <laughs> so the hard way. Um, but yeah, no, I actually I don't think Elon Musk has a degree. I know you nah. do a piece on him. Uh, yeah, I do yeah, some yeah, Elon yeah, Musk yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, I actually do a lot of research on that guy. Yeah, yeah he's an interesting dude. Uh, yeah, so I I went to college, which I would never, you know, trade for anything in the world. It was an awesome time. Again, well, it's I experienced, not bad, but it's yeah. not the only door to walk That's through. what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, it, for me, pers- it was more about personal growth than it was anything about learning you know, and getting you to do your own laundry and learn yeah. how to feed yourself and go grocery right, shopping. Right, right. And, and, and yeah, yeah. And figure out what are my convictions? What do I believe right. about the world and myself? You know, For sure. all the, yeah, all those, uh, you know, just introspective thoughts that you have. So did so, you get on stage here in Tampa or where was I did. Your- yeah. I went to the Side Splitters Comedy Club. Was there false starts? Was there a yeah. lot of, uh, I'm going to do it tonight and then back? No, tomorrow. no, I did so it. You I mean, you did it. I, I wrote a paper in ninth grade saying that what I want to do when I grow up is be a stand-up comedian or a musician. Oh, wow. And so, uh, or a hockey player professionally, which that didn't work out because I was only mediocre. Yeah. But I did, um, you know, so now I actually do incorporate music in my act. And oh, so, do you really? Yeah, and I, I produce the tracks, the, you know, all the instruments. Do you play on stage or do you just I do, have it in the yeah. background? Okay. Yeah, I have a guitar um, I bring on stage okay. for my act, yeah. You know so, Tim Minchin? Tim, I've heard the name. Yeah, he's a he, he does a lot of music in his comedy. I think okay. he's from Australia or New Zealand or something. He's hilarious. I'm sure I've seen him. You I'm probably sure have, I've seen yeah, him. yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, there's Bo. Who's Bo? The, he plays guitar a lot. There's Burnham. Yeah. Burnham. And yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, sorry. Um, so you you planned the night and you got up and did it. Oh, I did it, yeah. And How it long went, of a spot did you do? I mean, it was, it was like five, six minutes. Now, like side splitters in what year would this have been? 2008. Was it an open mic or was open it a, mic? Okay. So you yeah. don't have like an opener, a middle and a, no, nah, it's just okay. a bunch of Whoever bad comedy. Okay. And how did that first <laughs> night go? Uh, it was actually awesome. Yeah. That's how you get hooked. Yeah. I got hooked. It's like man. the first taste of drugs or whatever. Oh just, yeah. It was that high that for the dopamine. Rest of your life. Oh yeah. dude. Yeah. I yeah. got it. I got it. You t- to get a room behind you and just, it's, you know, yeah, it's like I getting mean, a ball clean or whatever the, the analogy is in hockey, you know, it's just, yeah. Yeah. It was interesting because I was trying to like do the whole fake it till you make it deal. So Bobby Jewell, who owned the co- the comedy club at the time, I talked to him afterwards and he's like, oh man, that was, that was pretty good. You know, as a kid or whatever, you know, but he's also, you know, he, how old were you? Uh, I was 25, okay. 24, right. 25, right. something right. like that. 2425. Anyhow, um, so he cut, you know, he's like, Yeah, you know, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. But, uh, you know, you got a lot to work on, you know, and stuff. I was like, Okay, well, um, you know, I, I perform all the time <laughs> and all this BS in them. And, uh, and he's like, Oh, okay, well, we'll put you on the showcase uh, this weekend. Okay. Or, the, you know, and I was like, Okay. Was that a longer spot? Yeah. And it was in the main room. Oh, okay. So it went from the little room <laughs> where I did well because it was my first time in my with you. Well, I, I, I probably, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I probably was, yeah. but, um, yeah, he's probably like just waiting for me to eat it. I know, yeah. I, I know the guy a little bit, so I think, yeah. <laughs> I think he might have been sitting back there just, uh, you know, kind of waiting for me to fail. So, uh, the first half of my set actually went well. Right. And then, because I thought you had to write a new set every time you got on stage. So the second set ever was, uh, all new jokes. So not tested, not right. polished. Right. Just, I mean, in my mind, I had it, you know, I want to do this, this, and this. Yeah. 
And then about halfway through, I lost track of where I was going. I was saying punchlines out of order and it kind of crashed and burned at the end. So, um, but I still had enough, you know, good stuff to happen, enough laughs. Well, to not only like that, now you got a rubber match. You're like the first one killed, the second one right, sucked. Now I right. got to figure out exactly. which one was the anomaly. Was it the first one or the second yeah, one? Yeah. And I kind of feel like with comedians, that's the entirety of your career. Still doing you it. You're only as still good doing as your it. last spot. I mean, yeah. that seems to be what, you know, people go with. Well, it's funny you mentioned a feeling the need to write new material every time because back in the day, you know, when you talk about, you know, Seinfeld when he was doing it and, uh, Ellen and who's the guy that the guy that killed himself? He was in the mask with Jim Carrey. Um, my wife loved him. We saw him at, at Ruth Record Hall. Short guy, short little guy. There, there's this anomaly on the show. I, my brain just goes away. I, I lose. <laughs> this happened with Darcy too. I couldn't remember um, Anthony Jeselnik when I was talking to her. I was yeah. killing me trying to think of him. Anyway, um, it used to be that you could have a career, a ten year career, off of one hour. And never have to. Oh, yeah. It. You didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Just do it forever. Now the Internet. And, well, not only that, but also using other people's jokes. Like, oh, yeah. That, that was, was a big deal. That and was then, big in uh, the 80s. Who's the who's the the Latino uh, comedian that Joe Rogan got up on stage? Mencia. Mencia. Yeah. He got in trouble for it. Dan Cook got in trouble for oh, it. Yeah. And Robin Williams seemed to largely get away with it. But well, he mean, got away with it. And, and And people say that it wasn't intentional. And that he truly would just, he was like a sponge, a sponge and, sure. and he just couldn't up, yeah. organize. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, well, it's, it, you know, I talked about this with Darcy is I think it's only got to be way harder now because of how available comedy is to you right? through all the platforms, YouTube, wherever it's, it's almost impossible to not consume comedy now. And, you know, I know a lot of comics will try and not, Listen to anybody. Right, right. You know, because they don't want to pick it up. They don't want to use somebody else's joke. And not only that, but um, the the subject matter, I think now with politics and with COVID and with whatever the thing is, you know, the the shelf life of a joke has got to be like seconds long before it's hacked, you know, like. Sure. Are people even make, making COVID jokes anymore? <laughs> it's, 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 yeah, you know, I mean, they are. I mean, you know, I, I try to write. As much evergreen material as I can. Evergreen. Uh, I like that. Yeah. That, so so yeah. you want to make not sure. Not easy to do. No, no. And but, then also knowing, is this something that someone else is talking about? Is it too close? Is it not close enough? Right. It, and then for it not to be hack, but also to be original thought and, you know. And then you got to keep it clean. Clean. Yeah. yeah. And yep. so, I mean. And you, you don't want to offend. You're you one know, of these direct. People. You're like this director that I'm talking about. You know, you've got obstacles in your way. It's not just being creative and not just being funny. It's. Being funny in a pressure cooker with all these other things that are going on, it's not yeah. easy to do. You know, the 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 one thing, though, that I always try to keep in mind, every time I go on stage, I try to remind myself of this. And I have like a little, you know, a little pep talk I give myself right. to say, you know, it, it doesn't matter what people think. It's about, you know, I'm going to go up there. I'm going to have fun. And if I'm having fun, they're going to have fun. And that's my whole philosophy when I go on stage. Uh, do you have the jitters completely gone or do you still get them or is it? I get them before. Yeah. I get them before. Once I get on stage and I grab the mic, I, I'm like, okay, I know what to do. I feel like I'm ready to go. So with football, I played football growing up and uh, I'm not an athlete at all. Like I don't really follow sports at all, but I used to just have the worst anxiety about getting hit in a football game. Uh, but the first time I got my bell rung after that, it was I was fine. Yeah, you're I was like, like, oh yeah. I just need some, you know, I was you know. it took a lot of bombing for me to get to this point, you know, where I'm like, okay, I like it doesn't matter. Right. You know, this right. is like obviously I want them to have fun. And again, I'm gonna have fun regardless. Yeah. So you're welcome to come along if you want, audience, right. but if you're not, then hey, you know, it's not the end of the world. Did you kind of 
organically develop a style or did you set out to have a style? Did you try and emulate a style? All of the above. All of the above. It's taken so long. And I just finally, I'd say within the past year, have kind of felt uh, comfortable enough in my voice. Well, so I I hear this often in in these podcasts that I listen to with Marin where they they always kind of in a condescending manner, talk about people who say I'm a comedian. They're like, how many times have you been up? And it's like two or three. And it's right, like, right. You know, there's this yeah, kind they of, put it on their Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Until you've done it for 10 years or until you've done it. Yeah. You know, they kind of feel like until you've hit this mark, you're not one. I don't know what that number is or what that thing is. But I'm still trying to find it. I don't know. Cause sometimes I feel, Oh yeah, I'm a comedian. But then like when I type it out or on something, I'm like, ah, I feel kind of weird. Well, yeah. And not only that, but, you know, they always talk about, especially a certain generation of comics, Johnny Carson was such a big, a big kind of gateway to oh, yeah. stardom. Like if you were on that show, that was official. you were official, but they would talk about having a tight eight or a tight whatever. Mm-hmm. And the concept of having tight material, I don't know the general public, how much they're aware of it, but you know, uh-huh. if you had to be on Carson and be funny in three minutes, you know, you got to be banging out punchlines. You don't oh, have yeah. a lot of time for buildup. You got to go with your <laughs> Those best. Those last per minute have to be yeah, up yeah, there. Yeah. Now, subject matter, are you just kind of topical or do you kind of stick with certain things or? I, so my show is more of a variety show, I would say. So yes, I, I do topical stuff. I do, but a lot of it's just kind of anecdotal, you know, observational. Do you have punchlines or is it more just? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. mine are jokes. It's okay. not. Um, I don't really tell a lot of stories. I, I'm not very good at storytelling comedy. Well, like, like, so with Marin, he gets up there and it's almost like a therapy session. Right, like he's right. just like well, yeah. having a conversation a with guys. himself. Yeah. Louis C.K., Bill Burr, even, Louis even C. though Bill Burr has a, has jokes, but he can kind of go off and. Right. But it's almost just a conversation. But then there's people like a Jesselnik or a, who's the guy, Dave. He's like a New York. That's hell. David Tell. So all the comedians, like, usually Attell's like their yeah, hero. Yeah, yeah. He's just a lifer. And, he, yep. you know, he is punchline, 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 punchline. That's, that's, I try to, yeah, I try to emulate that style. Just, you know, you want to get as many punchlines as you can. You want to get as many laughs as you can in a set. So just, you know, Anthony Jessel, like Of course, yeah. Okay, so he, his story I love because I bought the book that he bought to become a comedian. And you probably know what, I, I can't remember what it is, but literally... And you can't really do this. You know, I don't think you can structure a joke or outline a joke. There's there's an intangible part to it that sure. you can't just say A plus B equals C. Right. So, But yes. with Jesselnik, when he started this book, it was literally A plus B equals C. And he's really built off of it. But what I love about him is nothing's off limits with him. Like, oh, he will, yeah. He will, like, you know. He's fearless. He's probably already got Kenosha jokes. You know, he's, yeah, he's just. Yeah. Right on oh, the tips absolutely. of the spear constantly. He does his, I remember he did his great Casey Anthony bit at the end mm-hmm. of one of his shows. Yeah. And it was hilarious. So I always like him because he's, he's kind of the other way. Like, you know, I'm, right. I'm, 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 he goes dark, dark and tries to piss off the crowd yeah. and everything else. So I appreciate that as well. But oh, absolutely. Um, so as far as you saying kind of a, kind of a breadth of different subjects. So matter. yeah, my favorite thing to do is crowd work. So what I've done, yeah, what I've done recently is I've started to, write more and more jokes that are crowd work oriented. So I can easily go into the crowd. They're designed for me to go in the crowd yeah. and I can go far into the crowd if I want. But if it's, if I'm not getting something, I can always go back to the next thing. So I have, it's funny in, in learning the concept of crowd work. So, so for people who aren't comedy nerds, what is crowd work? 
So it's the whole talking to the audience. Hey, where are you from? What's going, you know, what do you do? So the, the analogy for me in the practice of law is picking a jury. So picking a jury is mm. crowd work. And I have had amazing, th- these are, are my standups, my closing arguments, my yeah. opening statements, my jury selection are my, you know, dipping my toe in that world. And when you have got prospective jurors just loving you and they're loving the analogies that you're using. And it's like, what about you? Have you ever been pulled over and all this other stuff? And it's a whole world unto itself. But another kind of the darker side of crowd work is sometimes when it's not by design and it's in response to a heckler. Now, I don't I wonder how much you get that in the church crowd or, you know, probably not (laughs) as much. Well, that's the that's the cool thing, though, is that I, you know, I'm not exclusively a church comic. I'm probably first more of a club comic, but then I do, I, you know, I do country clubs, I do private events, I do, and then- How are you churches. with the hecklers? Oh, I, I, here's the thing. Here's the thing about hecklers. Please, I don't, yeah. I, <laughs> here's the thing about hecklers. I, you know, nobody wants a heckler, but I will say that I've had some magical heckler moments. And so when I've had a heckler, um, I mean, there was the the show I always think of, I was uh, a guy named Dan Gerlach. He books a lot of sure. cool rooms and and does great job. Now that guy booked me for a room, and it was I was doing thirty minutes. So I actually ended up doing twenty nine, but twenty six of the twenty nine minutes was me dealing with a heck. It's almost like a gift, right? So it was kind of a gift, even though like I didn't want the gift towards the end because I was. It's an getting, unwanted gift, but it's like you just made my night a lot easier. Well, now yeah, <laughs> it was. It, it, but it and it, and it, I mean, you know, the crowd was just going nuts. They were, you know, just everything was a an uproarious applause break because this guy was just wasn't getting it. He wasn't getting it, and the room was new, so it wasn't really well managed as far as like. What do we do if there's a Well, that's a whole other part of it. Getting back to the drum scenario about how much that you don't realize goes into drums, how much you don't realize about what a room is and what it has and what that lens or detracts from your spot. Again, this is, I have to thank Marin for this. This is something I had no concept, whether it's acoustics, whether it's where you enter the room, whether it's you're walking up through the crowd versus coming on the stage. Is there a green room? Is there not a green room? Is there noise coming from another room? The people that you're, that you're, you're, performing for are they paying you at the end of the night you know is there kind of this fraternity that you have to break your way into i mean this whole other thing about oh the the politics of comedy that a lot of right a lot of bureaucracy fans don't 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 get especially like up in new york and california and some of these other oh absolutely Yeah, yeah. yeah 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 so um where was I going? Oh, crowd work, crowd work and heckler. So, so um, yeah, this heckler. Um, yeah. Like I literally, so I'm a pretty patient guy, I think. Uh, and, and on stage I was having fun still, yeah. you know, but towards the end of it. And I actually have a YouTube video where I cut like basically six minutes of the 26 that I dealt sure, with him, yeah. and I put it up there so people could see like yeah. what it was like. Um, but yeah, that towards the end, I actually did get angry. I was yeah. like, and I didn't even know I, it was possible for me to get angry while doing stand-up. Yeah. But I literally was like, oh, I got to check myself because I'm about to yell at this guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, it's funny because there's – there's so uh, uh, this reminds me of two different things. One is I had uh, Joe Redner come in, and he actually – we talked for so long that we did a two-party. You know who Joe Redner is? I don't. So I've heard he the owns name. Mons Venus. He owns all the strip clubs. Oh, okay. Okay. That's why. That's and he why. used to well, – <laughs> he also uh, – I've heard of him, yeah. Cigar City Brewing and all this okay. stuff. But yeah. he's, he's a staple locally. He's run for office. He's actually – 
He's uh, got this huge factor in Ebor now that's growing hemp, and he's really big on the forefront of legalizing the medical marijuana and all this other stuff. Okay. But I don't think he went to school, but one of the brightest people, one of the most business-savvy business people you ever meet. Oh, sure. Common sense, just turned up to 11, and just street smarts. And he told this funny story. He's like, he's like you know what you know what I do when, when the patrons get up on the stage with the girls? And I was like, no. He's like, I tell the girls to get off stage and wait for them. And he said, everybody else in the, in the club will make that person get off the stage. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you turn the crowd against. Yeah, the yeah, heckler. exactly. That's the heckler. Yeah. So this is this is the comparison that I'm making to what you're talking about. Yeah. The quickest way to get the crowd on your side is when there's someone that's messing with their show or their experience. Yeah. And, and, you know, when I was in the band, we had a weird experience where uh, we were playing a, a biker rally. And it was, I mean, just a massive, uh, crazy thing. And then so these ladies uh, probably 55 plus right they came up on a four-wheeler they jumped up on stage while we're playing oh my our God. set and started just you know taking off all their clothes right. and flashing everybody right. and uh we were and you know we're this christian rock band and we're like la- laughing and like trying to look away yeah. like what do we do like yeah. do we stop playing i don't yeah. know yeah, yeah, <laughs> i yeah. think we should have stopped playing so the two the two uh the best ones that i've witnessed in person were john stewart out at ruth ecker hall and oh then yeah john jeffries at Straz, um, I Stuart started to get angry because they were relentless. And I mean, if you know, if you've seen him, I mean, he's love John Stewart. Well, he's got a gear that he can go into, like when if you've seen him on like Tucker Carlson or when he's Ivan Plitt, like oh yeah, he can, get, he can get in your ass, like he'll, yeah. and, and he was doing it, and it was pretty amazing. And it was funny with Jim Jeffries because someone screamed out this town and in, in like somewhere in Australia, and he's like. That would be like you telling me you're from New York and me screaming out Arizona. And he's like, you had one opportunity to say something. And that's what you said. And for the rest of your yeah. week, you're going to be known by everybody in this room as the just he he got it. He he started going into this fan fiction about how this person was actually going to end up committing suicide because of what they the turning point their life was. Right. Yeah. At the point that they dark decided turn to say something. It, took. <laughs> it was it was. We all started to almost feel sorry for the heckler by the end of yeah, it. It, yeah. was, it was amazing. So, and that's the thing too with hecklers, you can't, you know, that's one of the rules I learned. There's a guy who does a, an awesome podcast. His name Rick Roberts. Okay, and he has it's called School of Laughs. And okay. so, if you're trying to get into comedy or anything, it's a Is great he a local person. Or uh, he's in Nashville. Okay, so but it's a great podcast to learn. This guy knows comedy in and out. Okay, and he was talking about hecklers like you can't it's kind of like excessive force with, you know, and the force matrix. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to like, if they come at you with something, you know, pretty benign, you have to come, you know, maybe a little bit higher, but not too much. Like you can't dominance, but not yeah dominant. Like, yeah, obviously show you're in control, give them a little bit of attention and then move on. Yeah. But if they, you know, it keeps escalating, then you escalate, but no more than where they are. Yeah. Cause then otherwise then, yeah, the the crowd's going to turn on on their side against you. And you, that's, you don't want that balance. Exactly. So um, let's talk about where you're at presently. So Donnie the Entertainer, is that is that the name that you go by when you're on the stage or no. is that just an online? That's just, yeah, that's yeah. just for marketing purposes. Okay. Yeah. So for, it's easy to remember, DonnieTheEntertainer.com. That's your YouTube that, channel and your website. And my YouTube, and my so website. That's where your material is. Yeah. Now, are you one of the, Darcy was telling me about someone who does like an online show. Is that? I don't do an online that's show. That's you, okay. I did one and I did not enjoy it. No. Because <laughs> I'm, again, I'm, I, I, lo- I love the crowd and I love you know, feeding off, off the crowd. Of yeah. yeah. And that's sure. just kind of my vibe. So yeah. Now, do you write every day? 
I write or whenever I'm on stage or do you a little bit of both? Whenever my mind is clear enough, I, it just, it just comes, you know, you do stuff to keep your mind clear enough. I do. Cause yeah. this is something that I have trouble with. And I talk a lot about in therapy is yeah. creating some bandwidth, you know, exactly. It'd be so taken up by the the daily battles that we, you know, engage in. So yeah. how do you, how do you keep your mind clear? Uh, well, I, you got I, a huge arm, so I imagine you, it's buddy. got something to do yeah. with the gym. I go, yeah, I try to work out. Yeah. I try to, you know, um, it's, it's, it's a lot about just awareness of like what's going on inside me. Like sure. if I notice, like I'm just on my computer and I'm tense and I'm like, okay, wait, why am I tense? Where's this coming from? And I'll take, take a step away sure. from the computer or wh- whatever. It, it could be that small or it could be me going up in the mountains for a couple of weeks. Like Where'd I you go, I just went to Nashville and then I okay. went to Asheville, North Carolina. I love Asheville. Oh, the, it's beautiful. Oh, and I God, shot a music Nashville. video while I was up there. Cause I, I wrote. Rec- and 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 shot the music video while I was up there. Oh wow! Yeah, so I was like, again, because all the you know with all the band the, or solo or no solo. Yeah. Okay. What's that? What's that? Is you do? So yeah, it's a it's a uh, it's a COVID it's a COVID music video. It's a uh, it's called Wage Maker, okay. and it's a parody of a song called Waymaker, which okay. is like a really popular Christian song. Yeah. And so it's uh, yeah, Wage Maker, Essential Worker is the name of the the song, and that's gonna be coming out probably in the next week. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah. You gotta let me know. I'll I'll, yeah. I'll promote it on the thing. Sweet. Do you know who Walker Wheeler Jr. is? I don't. Well, probably you probably better if you don't because <laughs> <laughs> he's a he's a he's a country singer, but. He wears like misfits t-shirts and his his subject matter is very uh contrary to the yeah. country music ethos. Awesome. Awesome. So he's kind of it's funny yeah. because of he's, he's against has, the status quo. He's like he's punk rock. Very much. And yeah. I mean you you you're uncomfortably laughing at the subject matter of yeah. the songs, but you should check him out. Yeah. Anyway, well, yeah, you gotta let me know that. I music. was a big Guar fan growing up too. Oh, for sure. I saw him yeah. at Janice Landing. Did you? Oh yeah, it's funny. I was just having a conversation about Odor's Jurongus. Dave Brocky, who passed away recent, well, not so recently now, it's been yeah. a couple of years, but yeah, I saw them at uh, Janice Landing and they used to come and do, uh, they'd go to local butchers and they would buy meat scraps. Uh, and if you've ever seen them live, they have the big meat grinder. I've just seen drum. video. I've never seen them live. So they had the big meat grinder and they would pull girls out of the crowd and they'd drop them into the meat grinder <laughs> and they would shoot out the meat scraps that they right. would bought. And they had, you know, he would, he had a pro- prosthesis that would. Right cover the crowd in certain glow in the dark matter. And sure. Yeah, sure. it was, it was very tongue in cheek and very cool. But, um, so, uh, currently how has COVID impacted your ability to perform? Are you doing more virtual stuff or? Well, it, it definitely shifted my focus from live performances to my YouTube stuff. I mean, I really started focusing on YouTube and, you know, making content, writing sketches and, you know, I've been filming a lot of stuff. I've been, you know, again, doing music videos. I've been, so been very busy. I yeah. mean, I have, I, I, I'm busier than ever. So, cause now, now that we're back open, you know, yeah. to a limited capacity, but we're open, um, you know, my home club, I'm in there cause I'm getting ready to film another comedy special on October 2nd. So that'll be Are you yeah. getting full crowds or as full as they well, can do. As full as, they can, yeah, yeah. as full as they can do. Yeah. So, you know, right now it's like 50%. And how, so is that an hour or how much time? Well, it depends to? on the show. Depends okay. on the show. At my home club, I mean, I do a lot of guest sets. So, you know, anywhere from five to sometimes 12, 15 minutes, you know. What's the longest set you've ever done? Uh, an hour and 25 minutes. How was that? It was actually pretty awesome. It was a weird gig. Yeah. It was a weird, it was in a women's clothing store. Okay. Yeah, tell me the story. <laughs> it was in a women's clothing store in Lakeland, okay, Florida. Uh, some lady. Oh, so there's a. Her, her name's Diane. So Diane's a real sweet lady. 
she had seen me perform a bunch and she's like, hey, I have a great idea for my store. We're going to have a stand-up comedy show. So I they their promo for the show was hilarious because it was like people shopping while you're Oh, people are shopping. Oh wow. Yeah. So that was my crowd. That was part of my crowd. I mean, they had rows of seats. Yeah. You know, pull out chairs or whatever. But then in, you know, in the back, like we got, you know, like trying on jumpsuits. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. We got Ruth in the back, just, you know, checking out blouses and stuff. And then I'm up front. And so it was it was a blast though, because I did a lot of crowd work. I did um, you know, I I was talking to the shoppers. Well, how beautiful is it that you can do a set where your crowd is rotating in and out? I mean, well, think about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, you got new ears every couple minutes coming in front of you. Right. So, you know, I had the core audience of the people sitting in the sure. chairs, and then people will get curious and they'll be like, Oh, let me see what's going on. Yeah. And and again, and I would just like start to talk to people that were shopping and that was fun yeah for, for me yeah so yeah it was it was it was kind of cool you always hear about like Chappelle doing like four hours or six hours oh my gosh that like, sounds exhausting i just don't even know how you could do it but uh, I, I guess some people got something to say so uh are you traveling nationally are you traveling outside of the state at all do you have any of those shows yeah so I, when i was in nashville recently i just did a few shows um i had two nights at third coast comedy club and then i had a church show yeah uh, and then everything else was just me working, focusing on, you know, just clearing my mind from sure, yeah. all the day-to-day stuff. And also, uh, just, you know, getting these videos pumped out, you know, right. just knocking them out. Right. And let's see, but yeah, I, I, I do travel. I'm supposed to go to Missouri, St. Louis pretty soon. Uh, I'm going to be doing a local, like a regional tour, uh, with a guy named do Joe, a lot of corporate Joey stuff, like corporate gigs. Right. So corporate gigs are where I make. That's good money, I hear. All my money yeah. from comedy. Yeah. Everything else is not very lucrative. I, and and I'm, I'm obviously not in comedy for the money. Yeah. But I, at some point, you know, need to make something. I don't know if anybody <laughs> is in comedy for the money. No, I mean, no. At exactly. some point, they've made a boat a load of money. But right. that's not the best uh, profession to go and make money off of it. No, yeah. no. I mean, and, you know, unless you're like, oh, I want to land some TV deals or whatever. But I just love stand-up. Yeah. I, love, I love comedy. Uh, so, and I like improv too. I used to do an improv show once a month. And so that helped me to, to exercise those muscles, to be able to do more crowd stuff. And, your, your, yeah. And it just kept me, sharp. Yeah, yeah, it kept yeah. me sharp. And, and I, I, there's nothing better to me than being in the moment with an audience. It's like a unique experience that you're having together. And that's, that's how I would describe my show. Um, if you were to see my full show, that's, well, that's, yeah. I mean, that's the thing, whether it's music, whether it's comedy, whether it's, you know, litigating a case there's you there's there's just that that feeling you know when you're vibing when you're on the same frequency when people are not only hearing you but following you and it's just a beautiful thing um i was uh watching somewhat recently uh it was rage against the machine they played over in london like in 2010 or 2011 and uh it was this thing where there was it was their got talent whether it's uk's got talent or britain's got talent or whatever and they had this couple or something that had like the number one single for like the longest period of time ever and and i'm I'm probably getting this about 40 percent right but (laughs) but but work with me so this this other couple said we're gonna we're gonna petition and see if we can get everybody to make this rage against the machine song number one and knock this uk's got talent out and so rage against the machine had not been a band for a while at that point this was before they you know got back together and uh right i heard about that but i haven't well, seen it right when covid was started oh, that's right so that's they right to, they had to they had to cancel all their shows oh, and now right. i don't know when they're coming back but yeah, i got super excited about that 
Well, for sure. And so um, they said, if you are able to bump them off and make us the number one single, we'll come and give you a free show. So you got to seek this out. If you could, I'll, I'll actually, I got your cell. I'm going to send I'll you. I'll support that. So uh, the first song they do is Testify and it's in, Eng- oh. it's in England. And I swear to God, it's this sea of people just bouncing up and down. I couldn't oh, even tell you right. how many people was. Oh, yeah. And for me, live music is that's as much as I hate to be around crowds. I love live music. And oh, I, yeah. you know, I had this conversation, Tom to George owns crowbar. He was in earlier this week and he's yeah. talking about the save the stage stuff, all that they're doing. This will be the first year that I can remember in my history that I haven't been to a live show. And I had tickets to tool guns and roses, oh, rolling right. stones. I mean, there's a lot of big shows coming to Tampa this year Yeah, and it's bumming me out. But um, just when a room goes nuts. Yeah. I've seen Tool like seven times. I had this weird Bermuda Triangle, like weird thing with Tool where I, I effectively had like seven times I was supposed to see him. And for yeah. whatever reason, it didn't happen. Oh, man. So they're, they've been a bucket list of mine. Another one, uh, Oasis is one of my favorite bands. And I've sure. got a number of buddies from Ireland and, and the UK and stuff. And they've all seen them like nine times. But there's like three or four friends that were like, I don't care if they play in Beirut in the middle of a you know, raid. Yeah. We're going to go see them over there just because they can get a crowd going, you know, right, right. in such a big way. But so I didn't mean, I think I threw you off track. You had something you were saying. I don't remember. I, well, I do want to ask, you know, where can people see you locally? Like, do you have a home club? Yeah. Or, so my, know? my home club is Coconuts Comedy Club. Okay. And that's St. Pete Beach. Okay. So it's right off of Gulf. Now are you Boulevard. a Pinellas guy? Do you live over that way? I actually live in Manatee now. Oh, wow. So I okay. live down like, you know, Parish Ellington. So did you come from Manatee today? Yeah, I did. Yeah. That's badass. Yeah. I think that might be the furthest drive anybody's made to be on the show. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah. Glad so to be Coconuts here. down there. And do you play locally up here at any of the clubs around? Yeah. There? Yeah. Okay. So I'll, I have some shows uh, coming up at Side Splitters Comedy Club. Um, uh, the Tampa Improv is supposed to be coming back next month. Okay. Is what I heard. Okay. So we'll see. And let's see, what else is there? Yeah, just like I said, private events, corporate shows. I'm going to be at Laugh-In down in Fort Myers a little bit too. They're, um, I'm going to be there this weekend, and then they have some other dates for me. So, All right. Now, where can people find you online? Do you have a social media presence, a website? I Facebook, do, yeah. A lot of other stuff? Yep, DonnieTheEntertainer.com. Okay. And on YouTube, it's DonnieTheEntertainer. Uh, you can search me there or Donnie Stopa, S-T-O-P-A. Who's Stopa? Is that? It's Polish. I'm is half it? Polish. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It means the bottom of your foot. Well, there you go. So I feel like there's a joke there. I, there should be. Yeah. 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 All right. So, uh, and then the YouTube channel is just Donnie the Entertainer. Right. So yeah, just search Donnie the Entertainer right. or Donnie Stope on YouTube and I'll pop right up All there. Right. Well, do me a favor. Whenever you have new content, like the song or whatever, please send it to me because I really yeah. try and push. Yeah. People have been on Two the to three videos a week on, on YouTube. I'm all about it. I yeah. love putting out content from the people that are on. I got a, a, a girl later today. Um, that's, you know, in a band, I try to have a bunch of musicians and comedians on. So thank you for making the drive. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Awesome. Absolutely. All right. Take care.